So um, we want to tell a story to start today about a conflict where we had with somebody else. Um, we had a conflict with a, uh, a teacher of one of our kids once at school pickup. Um, day after an extremely emotionally hard day for one of our kids, there was, there was so much distress, they, they didn't use the bathroom all day. I don't know if anybody, like when you were a kid, if you experienced uh, bathroom anxiety, I remember that I had bathroom anxiety as a kid, so I don't know if that's anything that somebody else had when you were a kid, but that was, you know, like that, that's kind of a common kid response. And so we end up at, at pickup the following day. You after know, they'd had a really hard drop after off. After they'd had such a hard drop off. And we're like, so we're waiting to pounce on the teacher of like, did she use the bathroom? Is our kid okay? You know, what's going on? Yeah. And uh, in a way that felt so curt and inconsiderate of our obvious heightened anxiety, the teacher informed us it was a very hard day. They cried all morning. Uh, did things that the teacher deemed unacceptable. Kezia like tried to interject but was shut down. And finally she finishes a report and says that our child used the bathroom so that's good. But we felt so uh, mad. <laughs> I was gonna use a different word. Okay, but yes, yeah, Gin yeah. Ginny is at home listening. Yes, so. we, we felt like informed, like uh, as though we were picking up our car, not our child, right? Like. It was, it was a lot. It was a lot of feelings in that moment. Uh, so I tried to address it um, by sending a message via text communication, uh, which, because I was feeling charged up and I regret this decision, um, I was trying my best. You know, like, you know when you try to handle something over text communication, it's like, yeah, this is gonna go great because I don't have to face the conflict, but it does not go great. And so that's basically what happened. I was, I tried my best. I think I, I was like, hey, you know, I'm so sorry, this must be hard. Um, but we really wish for more interaction with you. Maybe if you would have started with the question, but it was totally read wrong. It, it just, it made it worse. It made it so much worse. Uh, the, the teacher was super defended. I. I mean, thinking much more clearly, I think at that point, I was like, hey, let's get together in person. I think we're missing each other. <laughs> yeah. So this was, I, I, I had a really hard time, this whole experience. I was really angry. Yeah. I was processing, you know, the fact that I was so angry, I wanted to call her out and like make this teacher feel bad. I think that was, so, which probably is why, why I was I like, sent a yeah, message. send this yeah. message. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> because I was so mad. Um, but as we reflected over the next couple days, I began to realize that a, a couple things. One, I realized that there was something about this teacher's mode of communication that was very triggering to me and an experience many experiences I'd had with a supervisor in my past. And so that was like okay. part of it. Yep. Um and I, you know, a couple days away from the, the instance and also our child was beginning to have some, actually we had, they, had a, they had a little break from school, but yep. then they started to have some better days after that. Um, and uh, I began to be able to consider the teacher's perspective and what must have been going on, the, how it had been a difficult day for them, mm -hmm. obviously. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. never great as a teacher when you have to help a, a kid get through some really You've been through things. that too. You're a I teacher, have. right? Mm -hmm. um, but just realizing that the message that we had both wanted Vince to send and he had sent had uh, 
Ben, primarily because we wanted to call her out yes. and, and, yeah. and shame her. Yeah, we were looking for um, some sort of acknowledgement for our feelings. I, so I remember, uh, I remember being in the kitchen and we were processing all of our, like we were trying to figure out, okay, we're gonna meet with this teacher, we're gonna try to hash things out and do some conflict resolution. You already made it worse because I shouldn't have sent that message, that was dumb. How are we gonna do this? And I remember coming to mind for me was this idea from uh, St. Paul in the Bible of your strength is not in your strength, your strength is in your weakness. Uh, this is from the book of 1 Corinthians and it's always been something that's really moved me and pushed me to kind of think really critically about like, you know, what does it mean to come into a situation and, and be, not in a bad way, but in a good way, strong? What if my strength is in my weakness? I realized like, I don't need to power up and try to like, you know, I'm gonna make you feel bad because we felt bad. I need to feel acknowledged, right? And, uh, and so we just, like in that moment, we were just, we were praying like, God, we, we are kind of feeling weak. We are kind of feeling like we need acknowledgement. Could you help us to feel seen right now before we keep trying to figure out what we're gonna do with this conflict? And we just took a break and prayed that. It took like two seconds. We took a deep breath. I think we probably got interrupted by one of our kids at some point and had to finish the conversation nice. later. Yep. But we kept processing what we were gonna do in the kitchen. Like, when are we gonna do when we, when we meet with this person? And I just realized, like, I, I think that I can come in with an apology and say, like, hey, I tried to accomplish something over text communication. That was a bad idea. Um, I just wanna take you into where we were at that pickup and why this felt so hard for us. Um, you know, the, the, uh, the line from Dr. Brene Brown, who the shame and, research, uh, shame and vulnerability researcher, she says, make an honest bid for connection. Give the person a chance to see and meet your humanity. And I felt like, I think I can do that. I think that's strength in my weakness. I can just come and say, hey, this is where I was. I'm not trying to like show you what's what or tell you like how to do things. I just, here was how I felt. Uh, here was what I was looking for in that moment when we were picking up our child. I just really felt like I didn't, oh, you know, like we were longing for something different. Does, does that make sense? And that's, and that's what we brought to them. So we did that. We did that in the meeting. And um, Kezi, tell us how it went. <laughs> yeah, it didn't go great. <laughs> I mean, it was perfectly cordial. Yeah. Um, yeah. It wasn't, you know, there weren't any fisticuffs, but it... Uh, <laughs> It, we did not really feel acknowledged at yeah. all in what we were trying to bring. And we, we kept like having to redirect the conversation back because it was clear that they were feeling really defended and, and thought that they needed to defend their teaching skills and ability and their expertise. And we were like, we're not here about that. We're here about how you, you spoke to with us. us. Yeah, um, yeah. And we never really felt like we got there, but we did feel like we were able to leave the meeting um, knowing that we had done that meeting in accordance with our values and that we had presented honestly what we were hoping for and that we were okay, that yeah. we didn't get what we were hoping yeah. for. Yeah, we, I, we felt surprisingly content leaving it, even though it was like, hey, this was not at all what we hoped for from that finish. And that contentment is kind of that's one of the things that we want to highlight as we talk today. So uh, I've mentioned to us, if you've been with us over the last couple of uh, weeks, that we're going to take two Sundays now to talk about conflict resolution. And that's a little bit of what we were engaging in uh, with this story that we're telling. Conflict resolution is an area 
I feel like I can't get enough good ideas in because it's so inevitable in life. Like, learning how to navigate conflict well is always going to be important. The uh, famous research psychologists John and Julie Gottman, who are two of our faves and we'll say more about today before we're gone, uh, before we're done, they have a famous quote that is, it's not how much you fight, it's how you fight. I wonder if you've heard that line before. Um, the existence of conflict is not a sign of anything being wrong. It's actually really human. And what, what separates maturity from immaturity or happiness from unhappiness or justice from injustice is how we do that inevitable conflict. Is it done with honor and respect? Is it done trying to fight the other person or beat them down? Uh, so as I try to remind us like every week here at church, I mean, modern life is so full of responsibilities and demands on us and pressure on us that it is really easy to want to avoid conflicts and they just feel like too much on top of everything else. And so we just want to do the bare minimum or send a text communication. I am definitely guilty of that, right? Because it makes it feel like you did something even though you didn't. Or for others of us, it may feel tempting to just want to like charge right into conflict without any intentionality because, my gosh, you don't have time to beat around the bush. There's so many demands all the time. I don't have time to do this. Let me just get this over with, right? But both of those pitfalls mistake conflict for being an always bad thing. It's, it's not. It's, it's actually like we, we think it's an always bad thing in the way of like production and consumption and winning because that's what life is about. But it is so tempting to get overly focused on those things and think relationships are too messy and just in the way all of the time. But what our life is really about is producing and consuming and winning. But our life is not about those things. And in our most honest moments, I think we all recognize like what really drives our life is our relationships and our connections. And so putting conflict sort of in front of that production and consumption and winning is far more valuable to what we all really long for. So that's why we're gonna talk about conflict resolution for two Sundays here. Um, I wanna do uh, a really quick survey of some of the contributions to conflict resolution from the Jesus tradition, because I think it's really striking. Uh, the Bible and Jesus are not the only places that we can get really great ethics on conflict resolution, so there's no reason for Christians to have moral high ground, honestly, with a history that includes things like the Crusades, moral high ground on conflict resolution would not be a smart thing for Christians to do. Um, but alongside that ugly history, uh, there are, I mean, there are beautiful experiments with conflict resolution in the Christian tradition that have shaped the world. And I wonder if we, uh, if it maybe it takes a little bit of stepping back because Christianity feels like such like background music in American 21st century life uh, to really get the picture of this. So I'm going to throw a couple of scriptures on the screen um, before we tell a few more stories here together. One, uh, maybe like the biggie would be Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Um, we have uh, phrases here that perhaps have, you've heard before, enter your mind. Things like, let your yes be yes and your no be no. This, this treatise on trustworthiness, you know, your word meaning something, promise keeping, clear communication. That's from the Sermon on the Mount. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Uh, settle matters interpersonally rather than, go, uh, rather than in a court of law was an encouragement from Jesus in, in, the, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. Or the famous... Uh, comment on judgment. Remove the log from your own eye before attempting to remove the speck from another's eye. This drive to, to, towards self-introspection, 
instead of blame shifting, right? So all the energy is toward like, must be your fault, right? It must be, it must be that teacher's fault in our situation. And, uh, and yet, what does it look like to remove the, a log from our own eye before addressing the speck in another's? Uh, Jesus' teaching on forgiveness is a famous one. He, uh, Peter, his disciple, asks him, uh, how many times are we supposed to forgive? Seven times? And Jesus replies, 70 times seven times. And seven, if you're familiar with the Hebrew tradition, is this special number in the Hebrew uh, culture that signifies completion. So 70 times seven, when Jesus is sort of driving it back to this number seven, it's sort of a way of saying unlimited times. You're supposed to forgive unlimited times. And then the other real biggie in the Bible is the book of Proverbs. Um, I wonder if anyone's ever gotten lost reading the book of Proverbs or maybe like another collection of Proverbs from another tradition. It can be surprisingly fun and interesting because like all of them are like two-liners. It's like da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And oh, wow, that's so good. Yeah, Pro- Proverbs are awesome. Um, I threw a bunch up here that are some interpersonal conflict uh, nuggets um, in, the, in Proverbs in the Hebrew Bible. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. It's good, right? right? A hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. Yeah, yeah, right? Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. That's one I've heard before. Do not reveal the secret of another, or he who hears it will reproach you, and the evil report about you will not pass away. This is, this is the good nuggets, right? Like, like you, can, you can latch onto this. So Proverbs is another place where the Christian tradition has had such an impact on conflict resolution. So wanted to do that little, that little quick survey, just like, there's so much good here from an ethics standpoint when we can talk about conflict resolution. I think we'll bring up a lot of like hopefully things that feel like great little insights or nuggets that you can immediately apply to your conflict resolution. And at the same time, we want to talk on two layers here. We don't want to just talk about like the ethical self-help layer. Here's some good nuggets and insights for you. We also want to talk on a second layer that I think is more spiritual, and it's a little bit about what we were getting at before. It is said that hurt people hurt people. Ever heard that one before? In my experience, spirituality demonstrates that the opposite is true too. Acknowledged people acknowledge people. So hurt people hurt people, but acknowledged people acknowledge people. The Harvard Negotiation Project puts it this way in their book, Difficult Conversations. It's a fundamental rule. Feelings crave acknowledgement. They won't be happy until they get it, and nothing else will do. Unless they get the acknowledgement they need, feelings will cause trouble in the conversation, like a kid desperate for attention, positive or negative. And to me, that feels like it says something about humans spiritually just as much as it says something about humans socially, right? Like, ideally, we all have relationships that acknowledge us, but I am really moved by the suggestion from mystics and spiritual masters from the past that say, like, there is a degree of acknowledgement that even our best relationships cannot provide. There's a degree of acknowledgement that even we ourselves, even with the, with the best possible therapy experience ever, cannot provide for ourselves. Maybe there is some degree of like, 
I need help that I cannot give myself. I need acknowledgement I can't acknowledge for myself and that a God of love can do that for us. And I think that's what we experienced in the kitchen, being moved into a place where we just felt content enough that we could act in accordance with our values, live out those ethics that you know we've picked up over the years about conflict resolution, do it the best we could, and even feel consoled when it didn't go perfectly. And that is, I think, those, those two layers in action. It's not just the, here's the awesome insights that you can live out. It's also, am I feeling acknowledged right now? Because that's what's gonna allow me to live out any good ideas. Um, I, I think of 12-step um, programs, like Alcoholics Anonymous, I think that they combine those two layers really well. Um, maybe we can make it Blame Shifters Anonymous, okay? So let's, let's pretend we're at Blame Shifters Anonymous right now. Hi, my name is Vince. Hi, Vince. Thank you, yeah, hi, my name is Vince. Hi, Vince. Hi, Vince. I am a blame shifter. Um, the first two steps of 12 Steps, they say, we found that our lives had become unmanageable because of our addiction to being right, blame shifting, winning, right? And number two is we admitted we needed a power higher than ourselves to restore us to sanity. So, two layers, right? Hopefully you guys pick up some insights today as we tell some stories, but also we need acknowledgement. So, Kezi, what are some stories we can tell about, uh, maybe on ourselves, about conflict with one another? <laughs> um, so, this story happened more than once, but... <laughs> Sorry, that's very loud. Um, it happened more than once, but the, the, the part of it that I will tell is... Um, so, Vince would travel for... Um, a number of years ago, he would mm -hmm. travel and sometimes get back late. And um, he was on a trip once, and he uh, said he was going to get in very late. I don't know, like midnight like 1 or 1 a.m. Yeah. or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he was like, would you pick me up from the airport? And I was like, no. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> I need my sleep. You can take a taxi home or something. And I kind of laughed about it, but I was like, I need my sleep. Um, but, but while were, he was gone, I was going to say you're, the, that paints like, you as a cold-hearted individual. What, what had you done? Yes. Um, well, you know, on the day before he got back, I like cleaned the house and you know made sure everything was nice and tidy because Vince really is good at tidying and I am not, but I did that um, and felt really good and looking forward to him coming back. Um, and so, you know, he, he takes a taxi, he gets back uh, the next morning. I'm like, hi, I'm so happy to see him. And he's a little, I can tell I something's a little off, um, but he doesn't say anything. No, and so it's just stewing in it. Yeah. I, you know, go about my day and yeah. he goes about his. And uh, later that day, he's like, so I felt really hurt. I, I felt really missed that you were not willing to come pick me up at the airport. And I was immediately defensive and anxious. I saw some people in the chat owning being conflict avoiders. That Ooh, is yeah. definitely me. Yeah. Um, I felt anxious and defensive. And I was like, what do you mean? How could you expect me to be willing to give up my sleep? Look at all that I did do for you. Yeah. Um, and he kept trying to talk and I was feeling more and more anxious. I couldn't like process what I was trying to say, what I was feeling, the whole situation. And I was getting more defensive and I was like, I can't talk about this right now. I need to, I need space, mm -hmm. which 
Vince was Set like, me no, off. Yep, yep. right because, now. That's right, now, that's right. Now I'm ready to talk. One, of the, so things, to talk one of the things we've identified is a difference between us is that Kezi is an external processor and I am an internal processor. So usually when I'm talking, when I'm bringing something up, I've gone through all of the cycles in my head. I'm ready to talk. But Kezia was like, uh, I'm not ready to talk. I need some time. Because I'm going to say yeah. stuff I don't mean uh-huh. or that aren't true because I'm still trying to figure out what is true because mm-hmm. I have to say it out mm-hmm. loud. So just to track right here. So we started with one conflict, which was Vince was upset that Kezia didn't pick him up at the airport. Then now we have two conflicts because Kezia's upset that I didn't notice that she cleaned the house. And now we have three conflicts because Kezia doesn't want to talk right now, but Vince does. Yeah. So we got three compounded conflicts. Keep going. Multi-layers. <laughs> um, so I think you did give me space. I did. Reluctantly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, eventually we came back later yeah. and talked it through mm-hmm. and I struggled but was like, I acknowledge that that hurt you. <laughs> In my brain, I was like, even though. <laughs> but I was, I was like, I'm sorry that I did not pick you up from the airport. Um, but then, so we got through that, yes, and yeah. then it was like sometime later, uh-huh. I was reading an article about microaggressions and, and impact versus intent. And Is anyone familiar with this phrase, impact versus intent? Do you want to explain it really fast? So the, the idea is that regardless of whether you had good intentions or even neutral intentions, mm-hmm. if you harmed someone you need to own that harm. Like that harm matters and the person deserves the acknowledgement. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't make you a bad person. That's right. But, but um, that it's important for restoration and... Because feelings crave acknowledgement. Yes. Yes, yeah. Um, and so I was reading this article that had nothing to do with our conflict and it just like clicked to me. And yeah. I was like, wow, okay, yes. So I thought I was doing something really nice by cleaning the house, but that was not what he needed and was hoping for. And even though I didn't mean to, I still hurt him. And so I was able to go back like Mm. this time later and was like, you remember when this happened? I understand better now. And I really am sorry. Um, And that was important. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think another thing that this uh, little episode in for us has helped me understand, there's a concept we mentioned the John and Julie Gottman who say, um, it's not how much you fight, it's how you fight. And one of their key phrases is honor and respecting differences. Um, a lot of what people talk about in, um, when we think about uh, like a marriage that would work or a partnership that would work is people want to highlight the word compromise, which is totally important. Compromise is really helpful and important. But what John and Julie Gottman talked about is the, the, the partnerships that last a lifetime are ones that don't just get good at compromise, you get good at honoring and respecting differences that are actually never going to change about your partner. Uh, You can't ask for compromise because it's something that's deeply woven into that person's being. It is about the way that they grew up. It is about deep dreams that are all over their personality and their identity. And those things aren't going to change. So demanding compromise or hoping for compromise is setting you you up for, you know, a lifetime of misery. Whereas if you learn how to honor and respect those differences, that is where things go. And this can be about very big things or it can be about things that end up Maybe they're about big things like down, down below, like at the lowest layer. But the way it comes out is, 
I would have felt loved to be picked up at the airport. And Kezi's like, if I was gone, I would have felt loved by coming home to a, a clean house. And we just, we missed each other there, right? Like we're, we're sort of operating from our own grids and not realizing that the other could be operating from a different grid. And us learning over time, over I mean, that was early on in our marriage, I would say. And so over time learning that like, oh, okay, it takes something for me to honor and respect that the way I immediately gravitate toward showing you love or respect or, or admiration or wanting to you know, treat you is not necessarily the way that you want to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we, you know, we talked before about the different layers of that conflict. Yes. We were yeah. able to go back and identify those differences uh-huh. too. Uh-huh. And Vince was able to acknowledge yep. that I was trying to do a good thing, yep. which and I and, too. and I had I had totally turned a blind eye to that. And so that that what we what we have taken away from just even that I, I think you're right. It's like this sort of thing happened a couple of times. Um, but what we learned in the process is. Um, I'm, I mean, I remember uh, we, we uh, will sometimes uh, through the church do premarital counseling with couples. And I remember uh, one couple sitting on our couch and we were, we were uh, I was thinking about this story because they were explaining something that happened on the car ride to us. And it was one of those examples of like, so it started with one conflict and then somewhere along the line there were two and then somewhere along the line there were three. And so it's like, how do we unwind those? How do we take those one thing at a time so it doesn't just feel like now the entire world is against you in or the form of that other person. anybody's hurt trumps the yes, other the person's other person's hurt. Yes, yeah, yeah. Because uh, they were sort of going back and forth. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Can I tell another story? Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to tell on me this time. Um, I Let's see, this was... We had plans and we were on our way to something. And uh, some of you may know that we live with housemates. We've lived with housemates for several years. So uh, at the time we had two housemates. And uh, on our way, uh, this, this is, uh, we were going somewhere where it felt really important to me. And so I'm the one kind of driving the bus of like, let's, you know, let, let's get out the door. Let's, you were feeling let's a little move. urgent. About I was feeling it a little too. urgent. I was feeling urgent. Yep. And, uh, and so I'm moving us forward. And um, Kezia ends up um, sort of in, in random conversation with one of our housemates and uh, just is sort of talking. And I, th- I think it was like, I, I think it was like a half an hour later that you came in. I think in. it felt like half an hour. Okay, fair enough. It felt like a half an hour. How long was it? It was like. Probably like 15 minutes. 15, 15, 20, 25, <laughs> half an hour. You know, what is time? So, uh, it was, yeah, it was, it was like, it was like 20, 50, it was like 15 minutes. Okay, fair enough. Um, and, but it felt like a half an hour to me. And, uh, and, you know, like, I, I just feel like my urgency is not being seen. And so, Kezia finally catches up with me. And, I, I th- was I quiet at first? I like didn't say anything or something, or uh, or did I just launch right no, in? No, I think you I launched, launched right in. So okay, so what I said was, I think it was something like this. It was, I'm feeling really sad right now. That you did not, you know, you're not prioritizing yeah, this. Right. And I was like, um, you seem like you're mad. <laughs> Truth be told, I was regretfully smiling slightly. <laughs> you were, you had a little bit of a good, but I mean, it was like, it was, it's hilarious because I totally was like, I am emoting everything that is anger, but like, I, I don't know, like, I, this is about my psychology growing up. I am afraid of anger. I don't want to admit that I'm angry. And so it's so much easier for me to, to, for me to say that I'm sad. So I say I'm sad, even though it's like, oh, really? Are you? <laughs> Um, so th- to your credit. Though. Yes, I, I, to my credit, uh, 
you called me. And I think at this point in our relationship, this is many years after our airport story, I think we'd built a lot of trust and I think we'd built a lot of experiences of um, lovingly correcting one another that I was, able to, I was able to accept that correction. And I took a deep breath and I think I said, you're right, I am mad. Um, and, and then we were off and running and we had a, a, a helpful conflict resolving conversation. Um, but man, that's another one where like, I wonder, I wonder if that feels like it, uh, I don't know, it triggers something in your own life of like, oh my gosh, I've totally done that. I've said sad when I really mean mad because sad is more palatable to me right now. Um, yeah, I, that, that's an important one for me. I don't know, what do you, what do you pull out of the I'm sad uh, situation? I mean, I think I resonate. I'm afraid of telling people I'm angry too. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that was why you were able to call me we on were, it. Yeah, maybe. We, uh, some of the things that, uh, some of the like little insights that I think that has taught us, um, there's an, another phrase from the Gottmans, are soft starts and repairs. And um, I think you and I are pretty good at what they call soft starts, which is um, we're, when, you're, when you're beginning a situation where you're probably gonna have to resolve some conflict, how do you enter into that? Do you come in guns blazing, or is it a soft start? Uh, they, they define between a soft start and a harsh startup. What I think we experienced with that teacher was a harsh startup, right? And we were longing for a soft startup because we were in a place of anxiety. Um, so I think about that. Uh, I think a little bit about my, my attempt, I think, was, was uh, a bit of a harsh start because I was missing the point so of what was going on. Maybe you using sad in an effort to I was maybe try. I think that's probably what it is. It's like sad is so, is so much easier for her to accept, so I'll say sad, and that'll sound okay. <laughs> it didn't work at all. Um, but another thing we've gotten good at is repairs, and that is a, uh, the idea of you're not always going to be able to do a soft start well, mm -hmm. and sometimes you are going to be harsh, or sometimes you're going to miss the mark, or you're going to hurt the other person, and how do you, how do you correct those things? How do you own those things? How do you, as you did in, in our, uh, the previous story, come back to me later, even like after the conflict was long dead, and say, hey, I just wanted to like repair what happened there a little bit more. That I think has helped us a lot in building yeah. a partnership. Yeah. Yeah. You got any more? Uh, yeah, so for, you know, if, if anybody has been in like long time friendships or long time relationships of any kind, you may experience that there are certain conflicts that kind of resurface periodically. Um, and so for us, that re reoccurring conflict, even today, is yep. over money. Spending um, money. Spending mm -hmm. money mm -hmm. and uh, where, where more or less money should go in our budget. Um, and a lot of that we eventually, in these conversations, came to realize has to do with family of origin stuff and how our families spent and prioritized money. Can you explain family of origin to everybody? So, like, in your family, it was a lot more common to, say, go to Dunkin' Donuts every yep. Saturday yep. and get a box of donuts for breakfast. Mm -hmm. And in my family, that was not ever <laughs> the kind of thing that we did. Like, those sorts of special things were, you know, maybe once a year yeah, or, yeah. you know. 
different families and that's of origin. Fine. Yeah, different um, experiences around food or around spending or around how you they can come into like cleaning and things like that around yeah. your home. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. earlier in our marriage there was a lot more tension because we had a lot less money. Mm-hmm. Um, but even in the past years as mm-hmm. we started to like be more intentional with budgeting, I remember one particular time we were driving somewhere and Vince said, um, hey, so I'm making the budget for next month. And Vince enjoys having a, a, a small glass of bourbon mm-hmm. most nights. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a, an expensive thing to enjoy from my perspective. <laughs> um, and so I had initially been like, well, that needs to come out of your personal spending, your, your allowance mm-hmm. um, for the month. And so he'd been doing that for a while. And then he was like, hey, so this is basically like I can't use my allowance for anything else. Can we maybe like split 50-50 out of, you know, like take some of the grocery money? And I was like, but there's nothing in the budget for me like Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. You know, like Mm -hmm. how is this fair? Mm -hmm. Um, I don't have any. I believe your your reply was no. (laughs) (laughs) Probably true. I was, I, you know, I said, I don't like bourbon. I don't ever drink yeah. it. This is it's nobody else in the family yeah. benefits yeah. from it. Yeah. And he said, well, what about gardening? You love gardening and we have a gardening budget. And in the moment, like, I felt really upset. But yeah. like, this is another one of those times where I couldn't quite process why I felt upset. What, what about that didn't feel true? Yes, I do love gardening. However, there's some other element to uh-huh. it. Uh-huh. Um, and eventually... I don't know if it was on that car ride or later, I was able to say, um, this does not feel like the same thing because A, gardening is work. It is pleasure, but it is hard work. And I take care of, you know, like the the outside space for everybody's benefit mm-hmm. in our family. Mm-hmm. Um, and bourbon is yours and solely yours. So... He was able to acknowledge, yeah, okay, I see that difference. I, I didn't understand. I remember how this conversation. Was for you. I remember this conversation. Yeah. I think it's a great example of a soft start. You brought it to me really well, and I was not feeling like you were like, so can we go back to that, to that, to that issue that we're having? You know, like you really gently like, you're hey, wasteful. I've been, I've been thinking about, yeah, you're, that's, that's right, that's right. Your your ridiculous hobby of drinking an expensive drink, like no, no, you brought it to me really. Uh, I thought respectfully, definitely honoring this difference between us. And yeah, so that I just wanted to flag that, that that was really good. And I should also say he was able to talk about it, like what bourbon, like what that drink does for him, uh-huh, uh-huh. that little small drink in like a mental and emotional space every uh-huh. night and how it's self-care. Uh-huh. Um, and so what we were able to come to eventually, I'm, I don't want to ramble about it, yeah. is that we created a separate thing for me uh-huh. that was not uh-huh. gardening and yep. that garden was like its own thing and that felt good and we were able to make the adjustments necessary to meet both of our our needs and wants i mean it, it's a great example of ending up getting to a place where we better understood each other as a result of the conflict than if we never would have had the conflict i think you know like yeah. this actually this was good for us so um one, one more um little nugget that maybe feels helpful to you all um, is uh, their, the Harvard Negotiation Project, we mentioned earlier, they have this quote of feelings crave acknowledgement. Their book, Difficult Conversations, um, says that in every conflict, there are actually three conversations going on at once. And I've, I've always found this really helpful. So there's the first conversation is the one that we, most of us are, get stuck in and only have that conversation. It's the what happened conversation. 
And what happened in the situation that we were having, like we needed, to, we needed to figure this out, right? We were talking about money. We needed to come to some sort of agreement about how we were going to spend our money. But there are two more layers actually going on at the same time, two other conversations. The second is the emotional conversation. And this is what Kezia did such a good job of recognizing something more was going on. It wasn't just what was happening. She was having a reaction and she wasn't quite sure about it, but it was emotional. And so she needed to dial back and take a minute to before we could finish the conversation and have the emotional side of it. And then the third layer is the hardest one to get to, but if you can, it's really helpful, and that is the identity conversation. What is being poked about who I think I am, the story I tell about myself in this conflict? And there is where I think we eventually got to when we started to talk about like, oh, this is about our self-care. This is about us understanding like, what does it mean for me to take care of myself at the end of a long day? What does it mean for Kezia to take care of herself at a long day? We need to understand that gardening is not the same thing as the glass of bourbon for her as it is for me. These are, these are different things. They fall in different categories in our lives. They make up a different part of our identity. And so uh, the difficult conversations thing I think was really helpful there. I think the identity piece too, if we just popped back to the airport story for a second, yeah. like that was, I think part of the defensiveness for me was realizing that I felt like I must be an awful person. Ah, you know, like, yeah. Or he thinks I'm an awful person yeah. that became more about who I was that's the reason you had such a such a yeah, big such a big reaction. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, recognizing what part of my identity is being poked—that's the hardest layer to get to in a conflict. But if you can get there, like I think that you did in the airport uh, in in that story, where you're able to address, oh, okay, we can move forward in what happened much, much more cleanly and without compounding the conflict and adding more on top of it. Yeah. 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 So. Let me go back to where we started, because that, that, that feels like good for today. And I just want to bring us back um, to, again, we're at, we're at Blame Shifters Anonymous now, right? We found that our lives had become unmanageable because of our addiction to blame shifting, to being right, to winning. We admitted that we needed help from a power higher than ourselves to restore us to sanity. So hurt people hurt people. And we have often been hurt and hurt each other, but acknowledged people acknowledge people. And I, I, I think that we're doing our damnedest to acknowledge one another, and, and, and I, I think that, that that's helping in our situation. But a lot of the wherewithal that we find to pull this off and live out any of those good ideas uh, that we may have talked about right now, Boy, I mean, I, I just, I, to me, it takes feeling an acknowledgement that you can't give to yourself or even that you cannot rely on your closest friend or your closest partner to, uh, to give for you. It takes some sort of like, is there a God of love that can take up residence inside us and provide that for us? That, to me, has been a real uh, life changer in trying to live these things out. Um, I want to pray for us. Let me drop sort of the, we mentioned a lot of names and recommendations. So if you want to capture those, um, uh, let me give them to you really fast on all of these, um, these insights. Number one is Proverbs in the Hebrew Bible. Just read through. There are stretches that are awesome. There are stretches that might feel less connected to interpersonal conflict. That's cool. But like uh, chapters 15 and 16, lots of interpersonal conflict there. Um, they're great. Uh, so I couldn't recommend the book of Proverbs in the Bible more. 
Um, difficult conversations. This is the one by the Harvard Negotiation Project. Uh, Douglas Stone, Bruce Patton, and Sheila Heen are their names. So difficult conversations. And then um, we talked about John and Julie Gottman, the seven principles of making marriage work. If you're in a partnership, we highly recommend that one. Seven principles for making marriage work. And then anything written by Dr. Brene Brown would be wise to read because, boy, she just really knows how to how to or, talk or about this. To. Or listen to. Yeah, she's, she's got lots of and she's got a She's got a podcast that is, that, that, uh, is a regular listen uh, for me, and it's wonderful. So if you like podcasts, Brene Brown is awesome. Let me pray for us. If you take a deep breath. Okay, God. <clears throat> you are the God of love that acknowledges every feeling. You are the God of love that is our fellow experiencer in everything that we experience. You are a fellow experiencer in the joys. You are our fellow experiencer in the pains, in the hurts in which we so quickly feel tempted to turn around and hurt somebody else with, to use those hurts as ammunition. And so often we do that, and we are not bad people for doing that. God, we're so human when we do that. And you see us, and you are our fellow experiencer in that. You know what it's like. You, have, you, you are the God that shows us in, in the Garden of Gethsemane, if, if it is possible for me to avoid this, let it be so. And yet, not my will, but yours be done. This idea that you will transform the pain and the hurt in order to do something more wise, more loving, more represented in that idea of finding true strength is in our weakness. And so, God, we, we submit our feelings to you for acknowledgement. Man, we have some. I'll bet every single one of us has two or three, at least, open conflicts right now, and we need some acknowledgement. So, God, acknowledge us in this space. I'm just going to leave a moment and be quiet because experiencing God happens in time, okay? So we're just going to take a minute. I'm going to lead us in, in three big, deep breaths, and I encourage you to just receive acknowledgement from God and then breathe out any sort of harboring bitterness or frustration, okay? Let's take a deep breath in. Deep breath in. And out. One more deep breath in. God, would your acknowledgement of us stay with us this week, this month? Would you teach us to be people that, having been acknowledged, we acknowledge others? And we operate on that wavelength in our conflict resolution, all those things that come before us that are so inevitable and we don't have to avoid and we don't have to get frustrated with because they demand so much of us. They can be our avenue to connection what our lives are meant to run on. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.